as is the uh, customary form for the Monday nights. Many of you will be familiar with this. Those of you who are coming for the, the first time, there's a, a period of quiet meditation for the first uh, half hour or so. And then there'll be a, uh, a break to stretch legs and um, say <coughs> get comfortable for 10, 15 minutes. And then after that, um, uh, this evening we'll have the uh, little blessing ceremony at that time. And then the Dhamma talk uh, afterwards. So uh, we'll just sit quietly for the uh, next half hour, uh, 35 minutes. And so please just whatever is your familiar meditation practice, then just... Uh, do that as long as it doesn't involve too much movement, <laughs> cartwheels, or, uh, but uh, to sit quietly uh, and uh, to use this opportunity uh, to focus your attention and to uh, uh, give yourself permission to be at ease, to be peaceful, to let go of the past, the future, and uh, allow your attention to be uh, fully open to the present.
anybody would think there was a party going on here. <laughs> so I'm very happy to be part of the, um, uh, the joie de vie, the joyfulness of this uh, uh, inaugural Monday night in the, the new uh, hall, this uh, wonderful uh, building, octagonal, matching the, the, the one up the hill as well. So uh, what we will we'll do is have a, a short um, blessing ceremony. This is a, uh, a um, style of a uh, recollection. We recite some of the, uh, the teachings of the Buddha, our uh, verses that recount the qualities of the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. And uh, this is a way of invoking the um, beautiful qualities of the, uh, of the universe and of our own hearts. So we'll give you the, the, uh, the stripped down version rather than the full bells and whistles. Just a, a few bells and whistles. The uh, symbolism of, of the ceremony uh, of, a, of this kind of blessing revolves around the, uh, the four elements, which are in Buddhist uh, philosophy are the, the four fundamental qualities of the material world. So just as these buildings, this land, our bodies uh, are built up out of um, material form. Uh, and the, the uh, material of our bodies, these buildings, this land, uh, the world itself is understood to be um, uh, put together uh, with the earth element, which is represented by this beeswax candle. The earth element represents solidity, that which has a crystal structure, a form. And uh, water, in this bowl. So water represents cohesion, what uh, holds things together. And then fire, soon to be emerging from the big lighter. And uh, the fire element represents heat, temperature, and also the life force, the jivita. And air, which we're all breathing, and which um, the, uh, the burning wax uh, falls through, uh, represents vibration. So even physicists and chemists would acknowledge that all matter possesses uh, crystal structure, uh, cohesion, uh, vibration, and temperature. So that uh, the four elements are not just uh, uh, ancient folklore, but they are also, um, say, compatible with our, our current day understanding of the material world. So as we chant and recite these qualities of the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, that's, um, uh, say, the bringing together of earth, water, fire, and wind as I light the candle and the burning wax drips into the water, then you have earth, water, fire, and wind all meeting at a single point. As the burning wax hits the water, earth, water, fire, and air are all meeting. And then the sound of our voices, the, the nuns and monks chanting the uh, teachings and the, uh, reciting the qualities of uh, the triple gem. That is to say, bringing together the uh, the four elements as gathered together in this crucible, the, the bowl of the water. Uh, so too may the material form that makes up this building and this land and our lives similarly be permeated and suffused and penetrated with the presence and the blessings of the triple gem. If you like magic, then you can see it as totally magical. If you're allergic to magic, and you're a strict rationalist, then it's totally symbolic. 
you can arrange the, your uh, reality according to your preferences, so, just as you choose. So we'll, we'll chant in the Pali language, so uh, uh, much of this won't be uh, understandable by, by most of you. But as uh, Ajahn Sumedho, our teacher, used to say, trust me, it's just everything good that a person can think. <laughs> it's a, everything that's good, it's that. So uh, it's an opportunity to, um, as we chant, to reflect on uh, the, the blessings that this uh, environment now being launched, coming into being uh, today, at this time. Uh, the, the blessings that uh, this environment, this crucible of this uh, this uh, building will uh, provide us today and into the future, we hope. And uh, also an opportunity to uh, send forth your good wishes, particularly gratitude to the people who spent in, uh, incalculable hours in meetings <laughs> and discussions and decisions uh, uh, being made about uh, how, to, how to do it, where to do it, with what to do it, <laughs> when to do it, how much money have we got to do it. <laughs> And all those good things, because this, this space, this building, uh, and the, uh, all the amenities here, they are the product of extraordinary generosity of spirit, generosity of uh, intelligence, and time, and attention of many, many people. So it's a, an opportunity to generate uh, gratitude and goodwill to all of the, the many beings that have helped this uh, space to be formed. So uh, we'll begin. I'll invite uh, uh, Ajahn Chandiko. Sitting here on my left to do the uh, the formal invitation to the the devas. So uh, uh, this is a uh, like sending out the invites, like to any uh, beings uh, from near or far, visible or invisible, that wish to lend their their good uh, hearts, their attention, their goodwill to this uh, endeavor, this space, the, this community of people. May they arrive. We go through a list of of dragons, uh, uh, Brahma gods, earth spirits, heavenly musicians, uh, pixies, yeah, uh, earth and water spirits, and so forth. Again, if you're allergic to dragons and pixies, then uh, it's completely symbolic. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, a way of inviting the bright forces uh, to arrive, whether it's inviting the, the bright forces from outside to come in, from around the universe of the bright forces within you to come out. It, uh, it works in exactly the same way. So uh, uh, Ajahn Chandika will do the invitation and then we'll chant uh, some of the protective verses together. Vitoanametang sameta baranda Ahwigita chita paritang barandu Sagekame jaru pengiri sikaratate chandalike vimane Deeperate jagame taroanagane gehawatumikete Uma chayandu and devan janatalawisame yakaganda bananga Titanda sandike yang muniwara wachanang sadawome sunandu 
บุดาดาสนากาลอยังมดันดามาสวรรคาโลยังบดันทาสังกาปะหิรุปัสนาคาโลอายังบดันทานโมทัสสะบะคะวะโตอาราตโตสัมมาสัมบุตตาสัณโมทัสสะบะคะวะโตอาราตโตสัมมาสัมบุตตาสัณโมทัสัมภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมสัมบุตตัสสะบุตังสารนังกาชามิดามังสารนังกาชามิสังกังสารนังกาชามิดุติยามบิบุตังสารนังกาชามิดุติยามบิธามังสารนังกาชามิดุติยามบิสังกังสารนักาชามิตาติยามบิบุตังสารนักาชามิตาติยามบิดามังสารนักาชามิตาติยามบิสังกังสารนักาชามิโยชากุมามุฮัมมัลลาปะกาโดสามังวะบุโดสุกาโตวิมุตโตมาราสัมบาสาวินิโมชายันโดปะเปสิเกมังจานาตังเวนายังบุดังวรันตังสิรัสานมามิโลกาสนาตันจาวินัยยาคันจัตันเดจัสาเดจายาสิริโอตุสาบันดารายาชาวินาสเมนดุดามโอดาโยโยวิยาทัตสัสตุดาเซสิโลคัตสัวิสุดิมังงนิยานิโกดามดารัตสันดาริสาดาวะโอสันติการโอสุจินโอดามังวรันตังสิรัสนามามิโมหะปะดาลังอุปสันดาดาหังตันเดจสัตเดจายาสิริโอตุสาบันดารายาชาวินาสเมนดุสาดามเสนาสุกตานุโกโยโลกาสัมปปุปกิเลสัญเจตาสันโดสยังสันดินิจักโกจสวากาดดามอุยดิตังกาโรดิดามังวรันตังสิรัสานมามิโมหะปะดาอุปสัน
Tande jasade jayasi dihotu sabandaraya chavina samendu asevana chambalanang banditanang jasevana pujajabujaniyana etamangalamutamang batiru pande sawaso chambumbe Chakata punyata atasama panidicha etamangalamu tamang bahusa chanjasi panjavinayo chasusikito subha sita chayawa chahetam Galamutamang matapitu padana putadaratsa sangahovana kulachakamanda eta mangalamutamang dana chadamacharya chanyataka nancha sangahovanova janikamani eta Galamutamang arati virati papa majapana chasanyamo apamado chadhamme suetam Galamutamang garavo chaniwa to chasanduti chakata nyutakalena dhamma savanang etam Mutamang kandi chaso vachasata samana nanjadasanang kalenadha masaka chahetamang galamutamang tapo cha brahmacharya cha arya sachanadasanang nipana sachakirya chahetamang galamutamang Putat saloka damme hitang yatsana kambatiya sokang viraja kemang etamangalamu tamang etadisani katawanasa patamaparajita saba tasotinga chanditandesa mangalamu tamandiya Dukapata janiduka bayapata janibaya sokapata janisoka hondusabe pipanino e tawata cha amhe isambarang punya sambarang sabe dewa numo dandusaba samba tisidia dana Tadandusadaya silang rakandusambanda bhavana piratahon tuga chandude watagata sabe putha balapata pachekanancayang balang arahanda nanchate chenarakhangban dami sabaso itipiso bhagava arahang samma sambodo vicha charana sampano sugat 
ลกาวิดูอนุตโรปุริสดามสารติสัตตาเดวมนุสานังบุญดบมกวะติสวากาตุภกวตาดโมสันดิติโกอะคาลิโกเอหิปัสิโกโอปัญหิโกปัจจังเวเดตาโบวินยุหิติสุปติปานุภกวตุสาวกสังโกอุจุปติปันภกวะโตสาวกสังโกญายปติปนุภกวะโตสาวกสังโกสามิชิปติปนุภกวะโตสาวกสังโกยาดิดังชาตาริปุริสายุกานิยะตัมปุริสัมบุกัลลาเอสัมมังกวะสาวกสังโฆวาหุนัยโยพาหุนัยโยดากินัยโยอันจาริกรณิโยอนุตรังบุญยาเกตังโลกาสัตติบาคารุณิโคนัตโตอิทายาสาบปานินังบุรัตวาบารมีสาบะปัตโตสัมบดิมุตมังเอเตนัสจวะเจนะโหตุเตใจมะกาลังใจยันโดบดิยามุสักยานังนันดิวารานุเอวิชัยโยโหิชัยอาสุจัยมังกะเลยปราชิตตาพาลังเกสิเสปัตตวิโบคาเรียบิเสกสามบุญดานังอากาปัตปัมโมตติสุนากาตังสุมังกะลังสุปัมบาตังสหติตังสุกันโนสุมโหโตชัสุยตังปรมจาริสุปดากินังกายกามังวาจากามังปดากินังบดากินังมโนกามังปานินดีเตปันดาคินาปันดาคินานิกัตวานาลาปันดาเตบาดาคินเอ So it really does fill me with great delight to be here this evening. Uh, so many familiar faces in a new space. Uh, last time I came to Spirit Rock, this was a hillside. <laughs> you can see the beautiful arrangement of windows. It reminds us that we are still on a hillside, <laughs> but uh, this was a, a grassy patch of this part of the valley, and so it's uh, it's very lovely to be part of somebody else's building project. <laughs> that I didn't have to go to any meetings for. Uh, I first came to this land uh, in 1990. Uh, the uh, property had just been acquired by Insight Meditation West, as it was then, IMW, 
And there was a, a con little conference convened here called the Joys of Monastic Life. And there was a, a in the little meadow where the old um, community meditation hall uh, is now crumbling, <laughs> there was a marquee that was set up, and we gathered under that. That was the only uh, the only roofed um, space on the land. And uh, after the first day of the conference, there was a massive rainstorm, <laughs> and we were washed out. And so we had to have the second half of the conference in the Fairfax Church, which the pastor very, very kindly let us use. So uh, 1990 is 26 years ago. A lot has happened on this land, not just in terms of the uh, buildings that have arisen, but uh, so many lives have been transformed. Uh, how many Monday night talks have there been in 26 years? That's 52 times 26, plus a, a bit. That's uh, uh, a lot, <laughs> as, they, as you say over here. Uh, uh, and so many retreats, so many day-longs, so many uh, teachings, teacher trainings. Uh, lives have been radically transformed in the last 26 years uh, in the, uh, the cradle of this, this valley. So it's a great, <clears throat> a great joy to come back and to see... So uh, many of you, uh, we're all a little bit more grizzled. I haven't got my glasses on at the moment, so I can't see all the wrinkles. But, uh, oh, yes. But, uh, I've got a few more myself. Uh, and uh, I, I took note when uh, Sally was making the introduction, saying the, um, the old community hall is displaying the law of Anicca uh, you know, as we speak, uh, the rodents are moving in, have moved in. <laughs> the, uh, the buildings are crumbling, but it's also important to recollect that this newly arisen building is also demonstrating the truth of Anicca. Anicca impermanence is not just a matter of falling apart. It's also uh, part of uh, coming together. So the laws of Anicca have allowed this, uh, this building, uh, this uh, beautiful amenity to arise. And having arisen, also, it's of the nature to decay. <laughs> Uh, so, one of the uh, the, the uh, teachings of uh, Ajahn Chah that uh, I noticed his portrait is hanging up in the um, uh, in the, one of the meeting rooms in the office building. That Sally and, and Guy referred to him as the chairman of the board. <laughs> that uh, one of the the most well known and useful teachings of, of Ajahn Chah is he would often hold up a, a glass like this and say, uh, "This is a broken glass." This is a broken glass. He said, and uh, in my, uh, my naivety and uh, ignorance, when he would do that, I'd think, that's really interesting. It's still got the water in it, and it's not leaking. You know? <laughs> that, that must be some kind of special uh, product they have in Thailand where it's broken, but it still holds the water. That's very clever. Yeah? But then I was, I, it took me a year or two to figure it out that he means <laughs> no. <laughs> that it, it, and he would say, if you can see its brokenness now, then when its day comes and the elements separate, the earth element uh, uh, separates and the water element separates, then when that, the, the, the day comes, you won't suffer. If you think it's a glass and it's always been a glass and it always will be a glass, then when the day comes and the elements separate, then necessarily you will suffer. You will experience uh, disappointment and loss. So even as this building is being opened, I encourage uh, all of you, Maybe some of the people who've been on all the planning meetings will 
find it hard to think. <laughs> but this is a broken building. <laughs> this, is a, this is an X building. And if we can hold it in that way, then uh, even if it's designed to last for 500 years, uh, it's the most helpful way to, to hold it and appreciate it is that uh, this is a, a, a material thing. So having integrated, it necessarily will disintegrate. <laughs> That's part of its process. A thing, a thing is an event. It's not a, a permanent uh, actuality. Uh, a thing is a, a coming together and a falling apart. It is compounded. So as, uh, as we are, say, uh, guided in this center by the teachings of Ajahn Chah as well as other great masters, I would encourage this as a, a useful thing, to, a useful principle to bring to mind at the birth, <laughs> to, to recollect that uh, it's of the nature to change. It's, uh, and when that, the change of its livelihood, uh, uh, its lifespan as a useful building comes to an end, who knows? It may be a uh, uh, hundred years, maybe a year, maybe uh, there'll be a massive fire tonight. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't happen. But uh, these things do happen. And so, it, but if we hold things in that way, then our heart will be light, our heart will be adaptable. And as I often say, one of my favorite uh, sayings is that uh, adaptability is the key to happiness. Because that, that is the way that we can most effectively uh, appreciate uncertainty. When uh, uh, Venerable Ajahn Chah used to speak about Anicca, uh, he often, most often, uh, he would refer to it as uncertainty. So when we talk about impermanence, it sounds a bit sort of out there. It's referring to the object, the something out there. But that the changing nature of that out there, of the objective world, the way it's felt in the heart is uncertainty. So the felt sense of change is uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen next. Even saying the words, there might be a big fire and the whole place is gone tonight. <laughs> we don't know. Maybe it'll be in, uh, still uh, functioning and viable uh, in a thousand years. Near one of our monasteries in England, Chithurst, there's a little church that is literally a thousand years old. It's in the, the Doomsday Book that was written uh, a, um, uh, in and the, the 1080s, so nearly a thousand years ago, that little church was, was there, and it's still functioning as a church a thousand years later. So perhaps this hall will still be here. Uh, but we don't know. It's uncertain. Now when the, the, uh, the ego, when the, our sense of self, is confronted with uncertainty, what we generally feel is fear. <laughs> don't say that. Yeah. yeah, and uh, that's the natural reaction when there's a sense of, of I and me and mine when the, the ego meets with the unknown it tends to react with fear but when the, the heart uh, itself the, the citta or our, you know, if you, can, you can say our own uh, say uh, our own natural wisdom meets with, uh, meets with uncertainty it uh, experiences delight Wonderment. It's a, there's a quality of mystery, the unknown. Aha, the unknown. That's interesting. Uh, so that the, uh, uh, the, these quality, this quality of the heart meets uh, uncertainty in a very different way. This is one of the reasons why Ajahn Chah would encourage that contemplation of, of the uncertain. Not to make us feel anxious and depressed and you know, intimidated, but to help us 
uh, to tap into that quality of our own nature which underlies and is the, the ground uh, of, uh, of our understanding, our awareness, our wisdom that uh, lies beneath our uh, self-centered reactions to, uh, <coughs> to uh, contemplate that sense of, of the unknown <coughs> is something that helps to, uh, us to recollect that deeper understanding, that deeper aspect of our own nature. Uh, he would say, uh, uncertainty is the Buddha. Uh, the, uh, he said, the Buddha, uh, the Buddha said that when one sees the Buddha, one sees the Dhamma. When one sees the Dhamma, one sees the Buddha. So if you see the, the, the Dhamma, then you see the Buddha. And what is the Dhamma? The Dhamma is the truth of change, the truth of uncertainty. So uh, he said, therefore, uncertainty is the Buddha. The mind that knows this is uncertain is the Buddha mind. That's the awake wisdom mind that knows, how could this be certain? How could any of us really know what's going to happen next? We can't. Aha! <laughs> so that is a heart that is awake, that is free, and that is uh, the very foundation of the nature of all of us. Oh, when, uh, when we were having our 20th anniversary celebrations at Abayagiri Monastery on uh, Saturday that, uh, uh, as Sally was saying, that uh, the, um, the beginnings of Abayagiri were in also around 1990. I started visiting the Bay Area. I came with uh, Ajahn Sumato to that Joys of Monastic Life, also Ajahn Sundara. Was, there she is. <laughs> Ajahn Sundara was also at that same event. Uh, and... Um, the monastery formally opened about six years later when we were given the, the land um, up in uh, Mendocino County. Uh, June the 1st, 1996, we moved on to the land and the, the place was, was founded uh, you know, on that spot. <clears throat> but um, uh, at the uh, 20th anniversary celebrations that we had on Saturday, one of the, the monks was reflecting how uh, during the course of the afternoon we had about 12 different people speaking and the, the memories of the 12 different people didn't quite match each other. <laughs> Amazingly enough, there was a variety of, uh, of histories that were presented. And it reminded me of that, uh, I think it was in the, the musical Gigi, where Maurice, yeah, Maurice Chevalier, um, uh, a song where he says, uh, it was June, it was July. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it well. You know, and the, the theme of the song being that he is remembering this, this uh, wonderful incident and he gets all the facts wrong and uh, his uh, partner keeps reminding him it was, uh, it was not that day, it was not that time. You know, I, I was wearing blue, not green. <laughs> but uh, one of the monks was reflecting uh, the, uh, after about a dozen of these varied memories of uh, the foundation of the monastery and our community life, uh, pointing out how in caring for his mother, uh, at a, a senior's home, uh, they have these um, sort of times to, to get together with the, the elders and to have recollection sessions <laughs> to remember the past. And he said it was rather like being in one of those sessions with the seniors, <laughs> with a great variety of uh, fragmented uh, memories being put together. But the point being that it doesn't really matter what you remember that the memories are unreliable, just like the buildings are unreliable, the, the material form is unreliable. But the, you don't need to, to depend upon the memories or the f so-called facts 
But what really matters and what continues, what's abiding, is the, the qualities of the heart. That's what really matters. And so uh, as we get older, the memories do get uh, scrambled. Uh, the, the histories get more and more varied. Our bodies uh, uh, tend to disintegrate. You know, 26 years ago, there, we were all a lot more spry, those of us who were here. <laughs> uh, less gray hair, less wrinkles, more vitality, less uh, replaced you know, less titanium in our hip joints and uh, <laughs> our knees and our shoulders and uh, so forth. Less dye in our hair. Less, you know, less lenses <laughs> for our, our eyes. Uh, but that's the nature of the body. That's the nature of the material world. That's the nature of memory. And I felt it was a very beautiful and uh, pertinent point that he made that uh, it's, it's not those structures that, that are... Uh, are uh, wise to depend on, but rather the qualities of the heart are what sustain themselves. So even if you can't remember all the details, the quality of presence and caring attention uh, is not dependent on getting the facts straight. It's not dependent on the buildings. And as in, uh, we're having a little dialogue at tea time, and one of the points that I was making in chatting with some of the uh, Spirit Rock teachers and staff is that uh, in a monastery, it's often said, the monastery is not the buildings, the monastery is the people. And particularly the, the qualities of heart that the people embody. So I would say Spirit Rock, even though you put countless hours, hundreds and thousands of hours and, and, and millions of dollars into the buildings, Spirit Rock is not the buildings. Yeah, Spirit Rock is the people and the qualities of heart that are embodied in, in the people. And there are some particular qualities of heart that are most significant. I'm also reminded, uh, I have uh, along this evening also Joseph Kappel, who's uh, my dear friend, and uh, he was my first Dharma teacher. Uh, he was the abbot of Wat Pananachat when I strolled in off the beach as a scruffy hippie uh, in a torn camel cigarette t-shirt <laughs> and some scruffy jeans, and uh, he reminds me of this very regularly. And he was the, the smart, well-shaved, and um, tidy, well-behaved abbot. And uh, so he's got the hair and the trousers now, and I've got the, I've got the robes. But uh, uh, <clears throat> the, um, uh, the, the presence of, um, of Joseph here this evening is, reminds me of uh, a particular um, comment of Ajahn Chah. When Ajahn Chah got sick after the age of, uh, about when he was about 64, he had a uh, some kind of a stroke and brain damage, and uh, over a, a fairly short period of time, a few months, his faculties degenerated. And during that time, uh, Joseph was asked to be his, by Ajahn Chah, to be his attendant, and he took care of Ajahn Chah's uh, nursing and care um, through, uh, throughout that time. So he had, was a, had a particularly close relationship to, to Ajahn Chah and took great and, uh, and wonderful care of him during that period. And whether it's an apocryphal story or not, I'm not, I don't know, but it's a good story whether it really happened or not. <laughs> so this might be an invented history or it might be a real history. <laughs> but one of the things I was told that Ajahn Chah said, because during this time his mental faculties were breaking up as well as his physical faculties. And uh, if you, those of you who uh, either remember telephone exchanges, <laughs> or I've seen them in the movies, the, uh, where... Um, a phone call was connected by a human operator <laughs> that you would call a telephone exchange and say, I'd like to be connected to New York or I'd like to be connected to, uh, to London. And the telephone operator would take 
the, the, the plug connected to a wire from the San Francisco or the Woodacre exchange, and then they'd plug it into the, the slot for New York or London. And so they, they'd have a, a lot of uh, wires and plugs that were being um, put into the, uh, the appropriate uh, uh, sockets. And so uh, I was told that, that during this time when Ajahn Chah was uh, experiencing this kind of mental um, dysfunction, that uh, he would try to say something and then the wrong words would come out. Or he'd try and, and take a particular action, like to reach for a glass, and his, his hand would sort of <laughs> go to the wrong place. And these are the kind of, um, uh, say, um, disabilities he was experiencing. And he made the comment that the, the monkeys are playing around in the telephone exchange. <laughs> so Joseph can confirm with me afterwards whether that really happened or not. But uh, it was, uh, I felt it was, whether it happened or not, it's a really good <laughs> way of describing it because he could see, I'm trying to say something, but the wrong words are coming out. Or like uh, um, when Ramdas was, was here doing a benefit for the forest refuge, uh, he uh, very, very, uh, carefully and slowly uh, put it in a very similar way. He said, uh, the, the room in which my thoughts are clothed in words is no longer available. <laughs> he said it about, about five times the length of time. <laughs> that's, that's a very appropriate way. So Ajahn Chah had this experience of the monkeys playing around in the telephone exchange, they're, they're pulling the, the, the plugs out of the wrong sockets and just poking them in whatever holes they want. But the, the wires are getting, the, the call for New York is getting rerouted to Hawaii. Or <laughs> the call for London is going to, to Rio de Janeiro. But there was that in him that knew that was happening, that was not distressed by that, and that was aware of that. He could see that the, the, the monkeys are playing. That, and, but that which knew that the monkeys were playing was not the monkeys. It was uh, aware of that and knowing that. So that quality of, of awareness, even knowing things falling apart, knowing difficulty, knowing things going wrong, that, is, you know, that, that which knows that things are going wrong is not wrong. <laughs> That's our, our refuge in wisdom, our refuge in awareness, the, the Buddha refuge, uh, essentially, itself. So this is extraordinarily helpful in our day-to-day -day practice. So we might not have brain damage or we might not have um, physical paralysis or such like, but we might be in a really difficult situation. We might be stuck in, in uh, traffic or you just made a wrong turn and you're stuck across the, the, uh, the lanes uh, obstructing someone and you're feeling really awkward. And the mind can get into a, a panic. Oh dear, what am I going to do? What do they think of me? This is very stupid. How could I have done that? I'm having a serious senior moment and in the traffic. But you can also, instead of getting lost in that stressed, awkward feeling, you can recognize, oh, mindfulness of awkward feeling. I can be aware of this. This is the feeling of awkwardness. This is the oh dear, this is exactly the kind of thing I didn't want to happen, feeling. <laughs> That's what this feeling is. This is the, uh, oh, this is very unfortunate. This is just what I criticize other people for, feeling. <laughs> and now it's happening to me. This is very embarrassing. This is the, oh dear, I'm, now I'm doing it. This is very embarrassing, 
feeling. So that is a, and I do this kind of practice all the time, where you are uh, you're so easily drawn into the content of a mood, a, a judgment uh, about yourself or about, about others. And it's very convincing. It seems reasonable. You know, I am, I am feeling stressed or that I really didn't want that to happen or that this, is, this is really unfortunate. And the content of, the, of the, the moods is very convincing. And it's natural to be pulled by that, uh, say, that discomfort. But there is that in us can, that can know. This is an awkward feeling. You don't have to get rid of it. You don't have to react to it. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to have an opinion about it. You don't have to explain it. Like the, they, they say that the Queen of England has two principles that she lives by. Never complain and never explain. <laughs> Which we might not be the Queen of England, but that, that, that's a, maybe a useful uh, standard to go by. The, uh, so that is uh, extraordinarily helpful. And in our social situations, the way, uh, the way that, that things happen in our family life, our work life, on the streets, in, uh, in our Dharma life, on retreats, <laughs> uh, wherever it might be. Similarly, um, <clears throat> when you are being misunderstood, this is another practice I like to encourage, that we don't want to be misunderstood or misrepresented. I'm not reading anybody's mind. I'm just, this is just statistically very likely that uh, those of us who are gathered here don't like to be misunderstood. And when somebody misunderstands us, at least I find myself, I want to jump in and say, no, 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 it wasn't like that. Let me, let me explain or uh, let me set things straight. I, 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 it didn't actually happen like that. Let me tell you what really happened. We, we want to um, justify ourselves. We want to explain. And there's a kind of stressfulness in that. But uh, we can also be mindful of being misunderstood. And just, uh, I, I'm a, I, in terms of personality, I'm a compulsive explainer and uh, one who wants to make everything all right with everybody all of the time. So uh, I've spent years and years uh, stressing a lot out of trying to make everybody happy, pleasing all of the people all of the time. And any of you who've tried that will know that it's a lot of work and very unsatisfactory. <laughs> and so um, uh, what uh, I, I realized was the amount of stress and tension that I created in myself trying to please everyone and be perfect all the time. So trying to be the sort of super monk that was <laughs> always, yeah, always perfect and always doing everything right for everyone. And so I, I, I began to notice the amount of stress I was creating. And when, whenever I was misunderstood or, or things you know, weren't quite smooth or right, I, I was always jumping in to explain and fix and, and uh, massage the situation to try and be understood and make sure every, everything was all right. <clears throat> but I, I began to see the, the stressfulness and agitation that created. And so I, decide, I, I decided I would undertake as a practice to let myself be misunderstood, to let things be imperfect. And, and I would always, if there was a sweet wrapper, you know, a candy wrapper that was left on the ground, I'd always pick it up and tidy it up. Or somebody had left the, the, the sinks untidy, uh, uh, sprayed with, with water or, or, or scraps of soap or something, I'd always clean up after other people. And, uh, and it was, <clears throat> so I uh, set about this, uh, this practice of just walking past the candy wrapper and not picking it up. And it was extremely hard to do. 
or going into the bathroom and finding, you know, just leaving the sink sort of grubby and untidy or the towel not straight. Or, or in conversations, you know, that uh, people getting upset or, or criticizing something that, that I'd said or done just, and just say, just leave it. <laughs> just, just let them miss, and I'd have to say it to myself, let them misunderstand. You don't have to explain, just leave it. And there'd be this, but, and so at first it was extraordinarily, almost sort of physically difficult to do. But then uh, I, I worked on it <laughs> over time and uh, could see there was that when you let things be, there was a, a kind of peacefulness or an ease that I hadn't really discovered before. And not that you were being careless or uncaring, but <clears throat> you, I began to be clear that I couldn't control what people thought anyway. And that uh, people were going to be um, in, uh, uh, inspired or delighted or uh, irritated or just not even noticing as they wished. It wasn't up to me. And, uh, and so I developed at that time this little internal mantra. I'd, I'd say to myself, just do what you do and let the world make of it what it will. Again, not to, just, not to be numb or to switch off, but just to let people have their own opinions because it became... As I listened to that wisdom voice inside, it, it became clear that, well, people will have their own thoughts, their own opinions, and they keep changing anyway. Because what the, a person thinks this week will be different from what they think next week, just like it does for you. Duh. <laughs> As uh, the wisdom of the Simpsons uh, tell, tells us. So uh, after working on this for quite some time and letting myself be misunderstood and misrepresented, and sometimes it would be you know, some kind of impression somebody would have for, for years, uh, then just leaving it and not, not saying anything, not fixing it or, or jumping in. I found myself far more relaxed <laughs> and, uh, and at ease. And also I recollected this line from the verses of the third Zen patriarch, the um, Sin Sin Ming, the verses of the faith mind, where it says, the English translation reads, um, uh, to, to dwell in this reality is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. To live in this reality is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. And I'd read those words and heard them many, many times, but during this period they kind of jumped off the page and said, <laughs> To be without anxiety about non-perfection. What? <laughs> and then realizing that's what I, I was working on to do, to, to learn how to, to be at ease with the imperfect. And then what happens is when you, with, uh, you allow the imperfect to be as it is, then you realize, well, it's only one point of view that calls it imperfect. Or another point of view, you can call it art. <laughs> or quite okay. And it's not as though we're not uh, acting to help, uh, say, work against injustice or cruelty. But this, uh, 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 say, easing of attitude, letting things um, not be fixed or reacted to, there, what I found was you're allowing a lot more space in the mind, a, lot, a, a space to respond rather than to react. So rather than jumping in in a compulsive way to fix things or make people all right, there's a, a, that extra spaciousness made it possible to, uh, to be quiet when it was time to be quiet, or to speak up and act uh, uh, when it was time to act, and sometimes to act with more forthrightness and more effectiveness than when you were compulsively 
jumping in. And uh, as, a, as a footnote to that, it was, uh, I was quite struck. Uh, I mentioned this, to, uh, I think, when, at the, the Abayagiri um, anniversary, when I, I stopped trying to be perfect. One of the, my brother monks, not Ajahn Chandiko, any of these good venerables here, made the comment, said, you know, you're a lot easier to live with since you stopped trying to be perfect. <laughs> so my first reaction was, what do you mean? <laughs> Then I, then I felt, well, was I really that bad? <laughs> and realizing that, that it was uh, that kind of tension in the heart was an, was an, in, in, uh, an intrusion or was a, was a disturbance, was a difficulty for others to deal with. And when the, you are, uh, in a sense, listening to the present, you're opening your heart to the present and uh, allowing the mind to attune to what's there rather than reacting compulsively, and just to say, well, this is the, I want to jump in and fix it because this person is misunderstanding me, feeling. <laughs> or this is, oh dear, this person's having a crisis, yeah, he's in tears, he's having a breakdown, what do I do? Feeling. <laughs> and just giving that little extra space in your own mind then gives you the capacity to, to know, okay, now's the time to say something. Or now's the time to be quiet and just give him a hug. <laughs> or now's the time to, to put the kettle on, yeah make a cup of tea, or, or to invite them to, to speak. And, and your, the accuracy of what will be appropriate to that person, that time, that situation, would be uh, far more uh, reliable if there was that extra attentiveness. So when we speak about developing qualities of the heart, or what, say, a, a spiritual community like Spirit Rock, that the spirit of Spirit Rock, <laughs> you could, I could say, What's the, the qualities of the heart that sustain themselves even when the buildings are gone or the, the mental faculties are gone is that very quality of awareness and responsivity, the capacity to, to not react but to, uh, uh, to listen, to, uh, to attune the heart to the present and to uh, allow the heart to respond instead. This is the... the um, the, the capacity that we have in our spiritual training, the different methods of meditation and uh, practice that we, uh, we can engage in, in a, a, a center like this or the monastery. That's the, the most powerful and effective and accessible uh, spiritual quality uh, that we can use. When uh, we are chanting our blessings, uh, one of the verses that we were chanting uh, was the Mangala Sutta, the, the discourse on the highest blessings. And when we think about a blessing, uh, we might think we're getting the mojo from all those dragons and devas and brahmas and pixies. That, are, that the blessing is all coming from you know, us monastics, Ayatataloka, and uh, the, the nuns from, from uh, her uh, Dhammadarini Vihar or the uh, Ajahn Chandika or the monks from uh, Abhayagiri and myself that they're kind of delivering the mojo from uh, you know, up front. But uh, when you look at the English, uh, of, or maybe some of you are Pali scholars and you anyway, but the, the, the English of the, uh, high, the discourse on the highest, highest blessings, it's all about what you do. The Buddha says these are the highest blessings. Number one, not to associate with fools, to associate with the wise. This is the highest blessing, number one. <laughs> There's a whole list of 38 different blessings, and they're all about 
um, uh, um, being accomplished uh, in, uh, with uh, learning and, uh, and skills, taking care of your parents, um, uh, uh, listening to uh, the Dharma teachings, um, uh, giving with, uh, with Dharma in your heart, is all stuff that you do. <laughs> it's not, the, the blessings are not coming to you from outside, but where the blessings really come from is your attention to each present moment and this quality of, uh, of awakened awareness that we can draw upon is what guides our actions moment by moment, how we can attend to each other, how we can harmonize with each other, how we can help each other, how we can be helped by others when our faculties go and we can't hear or we can't remember where we left our shoes. <laughs> to be helped and not to be embarrassed. <laughs> Thank you. I couldn't find my shoes. Those are mine. Well done. You spotted my shoes. <laughs> You've given them back to me. Sato. Rather than, oh, this is so embarrassing. You know, they had to give me my shoes. What will they think? You know, to, uh, to mindfully let ourselves be helped is also uh, a, uh, something that is part of uh, our spiritual life. So if we want to, uh, say, bless this building, bless this place, and bless this community, uh, I would suggest it's, uh, it's from our own hearts. It's from our, our own actions and our moment-to-moment -moment ways in which we can relate to each other that uh, is the, the, the source of blessings and that these are available to us here yeah, all the time. Also, uh, I noticed that the clock has now gone round to 9.15 and I'm suspicious this is the time to wind up. Sally's giving me a, a nod, so I think this is the, the cue to end things. So uh, on this note, I'd like to draw things to a close. I don't know if there's any announcement or goodbye or anything that you need to say. But, uh, Any official ending words that need to happen? If not, we can just uh, call it an evening. So, go well, use this place well, come and visit Amravati in England. It's just across the Great Water. <laughs> <laughs>